in this podcast, I'm wanting to get into um, what I'm calling a collider mission debrief number two. And uh, yesterday, after talking uh, with my wife, I realized that I needed to just unpack some more work concerning the collider and and what it's about. First of all, I want to say this because of the, the nature of the name collider. Um, we invariably are not talking about the collider that CERN has out uh, that they built with the particle accelerator. However, at the same time, there is a collision that is happening between heaven and earth, and so there is uh, this collider that, that I'm speaking of is very much important in the realm of probably particle physics, uh, neuroscience, uh, philosophy, and psychology as it affects uh, us anthropologically and affects our our whole entire person as well as the field of uh, epigenics and and how that field is we're working through developing transformation in the realm of the DNA and so I'm going to try to just give a small little structure here from an article that was sent to me uh, from a friend Gus Vickery yesterday evening with Roger Penrose on why consciousness does not compute. And I, I can't go through this whole article for you, but I will put it in the notes and you can read it. It was written by Steve Pawson in the Nautilus off of a, a Pocket Worthy. Um, first of all, to start out with, one of the postulates that's being proposed within the article here with Penrose is that the higher consciousness has not been brought into a structural aspect where that we can understand and that neuroscience and even quantum dynamics and mechanics that was discovered with Einstein and many others has been inferior in describing the higher realm of consciousness and that we don't have a structure per se right now to be able to deal with that. I want to just say a few things that 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 were brought up in the article and try to center this up on why we're why the collider is coming online and try to bring some understanding about what we're doing with the galactic progeny and what it is in the article there's this comment made by the philosopher david chalmers it says that he has speculated that consciousness may be a fundamental property of nature that is existing outside the known laws of physics so just to start out with this consciousness that we're referring to the higher consciousness is outside of even uh, people's ability to take uh, and quantify it like we do with quantum dynamics and so that we're going to have to go outside of quantum dynamics again in insurance and that excuse me neuroscience and that's why that uh, what David Chalmers is saying the most likely place if we're not going to go outside physics altogether is in this big unknown namely making sense of quantum mechanics and and in the article they he says you know while we're trying to make sense of quantum mechanics we still can't sort of get a structure uh, for the, the higher conscious realm they talk about these microtubules symmetry and a lattice structure that have become a particular interest to Penrose and that he believes that it reeks of something quantum mechanically. It also says that this is where quantum mechanics needs to be superseded. So we need a new science that doesn't 
yet exist. Um, that's right, exactly, he says. Penrose, he wrote the Emperor's New Mind, argues that human thinking will never be able to be emulated by a machine. And so I don't know if you know what's going on in the field of artificial intelligence right now, and it's just exploding. But the, the point is, is that AI will never be able to, no matter how much we put and try to work out artificial intelligence, you're not going to be able to get what you can do with human thinking um, ever. Um, what God created, what the Father has made with the human mind and it, the mind's ability on, the, on a neuroscientific level, also in how it relates through a quantum dynamic aspect or even in an immaterial uh, realm, there are new paths of discovery for that. The study of consciousness has not gone the way that they had hoped, and it's now become a cottage industry uh, in neuroscience labs and a staple of big think conferences around the world. And, hey, this is happening. I've got some friends that are telling me about this and um, about they're building big think conferences around the world with AI and neuroscience, and maybe some of you have been into some of that. Now, I want to presuppose something here, and I think this is what's happened. This science that hasn't yet been discovered, I just want to pay, just place this out there, and I invite you to come in and ask questions on it and also challenge it. Um, I believe that this may be what we're working out in this collider with the galactic progeny, these uh, 12 phases of human development that... I've received from the other, the age to come that Hebrews 6 speaks of through 15 years of trials. It's a, it's a phase structure that not only describes the uh, higher consciousness, but then how it relates to subconscious and then consciousness and then how it upgrades uh, the human brain, which is something that the, uh, the Lord has purchased and paid for uh, by his blood. Now, you know, with that said, I I, uh, I want to talk a little bit about something called uh, phenomenology. And, uh, you know, for some of you, this may be really heady. I, you know, I'm not sure, but uh, I need to say it to unpack what I believe God is revealing uh, to me. Um, so in phenomenology, literally the word is comes from the Greek. And it means that which appears and is combined with logos or study. So it's a philosophical study of the structures of experience and consciousness. As a philosophical movement, it was founded in the early years of the 20th century by Edmund Husserl and was later expanded upon by a circle of his followers at the universities of Gottingen and Munich in Germany. It then spread to France, the United States, and elsewhere, often in context far removed from his early work. Phenomenology is not a unitary movement. Rather, different authors share a common family resemblance, but also with many significant differences. So, Gabriella Farina states, it's a unique and final definition of phenomenology is dangerous and perhaps even paradoxical as it lacks a thematic focus. And this thematic focus is something I'm hoping, I believe that it may be the breakthrough of what we're working here in within this collider with galactic progeny is we're receiving a thematic focus. Um, so she says, it's, in fact, it's not a doctrine nor a philosophical school, but is rather a style of thought, a method. 
uh, in the case of galactic progeny, uh, I was told to name it phases. And it's open and ever renewed. She said, experience having different results, and this may disorient anyone wishing to define the meaning of phenomenology. Now, phenomenology in Husserl's conception is primarily concerned with the systematic reflection on the study of the structures of conscious and the phenomenon that appear in acts of consciousness. And so it is differentiated from Cartesian method of analysis, which sees the world as objects, sets of objects, and objects acting and reacting upon uh, one another. So I wanted to bring this this phrase out that I read uh, concerning phenomenology, and I, I think that I can bring this together for you and help you with it. So within this, an appearance, given the like a definition of an appearance, is that which shows itself in something else, while a phenomenon is that which shows itself in itself. Now let me say that again. An appearance is that which shows itself in something else, while a phenomenon is that which shows itself in itself. And, and so let me just give you like what an appearance may look like. And then we've understood this now in, in um, it's called, I believe it's called superposition. And you can study superposition as it relates to quantum physics. But very simply is that if you observe a particle with your eye, it will stop moving. But if you're able to not observe it, it will turn into a wave. And, and so the point is, is that, um, your observation on something literally causes it to stand still. But if you're able to not observe it, it will actually turn into a wave. And this is how faith actually works. It's in the quantum realm. For instance, in Romans chapter 4, I believe it is verse 18. Check me on that, but I believe it is. It says, Abraham hoped beyond hope. And when you study that in the Greek, it, it has to do with where he set his direct object. So one of those hopes relates to the direct object was Sarah's womb. As long as Abraham's hope was in Sarah's womb itself, she never became impregnated with Isaac. But when, his, when he was able to look at God as direct object, and you can't take God and put him in the particle realm in the sense of uh, he's not someone that just is not dynamic and is still. Like, for instance... The word tells Abram that he's going to have a progeny, a child that's going to come forth. However, he goes through 25 years of trials until he's basically looking only at his hope being transmitted to God. And at the moment he transmits hope to the father, instantly she becomes impregnated and the power is given to impregnate her. So in superposition, if you pay attention to the particle, the problem or the position you will basically freeze it in space. But when you have your eyes fixed on, and I'm going to say the phenomenon being the person of the Godhead, you literally cause a movement to happen, which we call them movements, or you cause a wave or a transmission to happen. I've operated in this many times because I've been tried in this and tested in this. And Go listen to Kitty Hawk Way if you want to understand what I mean by particle problem, person, program any of that when you put your focus on that you will not get a wave and so what they're saying here about an appearance that which shows itself in something else 
is are these appearances. And and if if you're focused on appearance a lot, you literally will not probably see a lot of movement in your faith walk because you've got to like be stripped of of the way that you, your own presentation. I don't mean that you can't have a good or presentation, but you can't be cognitive, be conscious of thinking about your own presentation to move in the realm of faith. So, um, because faith is a substance of things hoped for, it's the objective proof of an unseen reality. And so, so in, in this idea that when an appearance is focused on, which is a structural what, it's a thought that's reflected on the outside of the self. And so if you're if you're thinking more of the structure, then you won't be able to get into the um, into the phenomenon. Let me give you like an understanding of this. Like in in uh, Jim Collins' book Good to Great, when he deals with level five leadership, he makes a differentiation between level five and level four. In level four leadership, he says it's the genius with a thousand helpers who first focuses on the what, which we would call the appearance, and then the who which would be called the phenomenon. But level five leadership, which is geared in humility and professional will, first focuses on the who, which would be the phenomenon, and then the what. And that this is where companies went from good to great. And so even the most adept and analytical tools that were used by Jim Collins revealed this about these 11 different CEOs that the ones who had humility and professional will, which I would call a priest-king, that operated in that were able to first deal with the who and then the what, or deal with the phenomenon inside of the people that they worked with, more focused on the dynamic characteristics of that person, and then they defined the what, the appearance. And here's the problem with the whole thing. When we focus on appearances first, be in the what's before the who's we're one of those level one through four leaders who are not seeing dynamic transformation in our life we're not growing into the transformation that god intended for us because we're too caught up with either outward appearance or inward appearance and we need to be caught up in the phenomenon and the only real phenomenon phenomenon that we need to be caught up with is the godhead being the power of the holy spirit so here's the thing when you enter into worship or you go into a place of praise and worship, you're basically adjusting yourself out of your appearances, maybe your circumstances or what you're thinking about. You've got to let all the appearances go to rest so that you can enter into the phenomenon, the who of the Holy Spirit. And, and so I want to add this, that many of us have been battling to just get into the presence of the phenomenon who is the most phenomenal, the Lord to worship him, uh, by letting all of our circumstances, both interiorly and exteriorly, go, that's believing the gospel, to see a demonstration of the kingdom of God come, the, um, the appearance that comes from the phenomenon himself living his life in you. And this is really important that you and I get, because when we're talking about the collider, we're talking about presence-based worship, praise, thanksgiving to the Lord that releases power for transformation and brings wisdom and discernment which follows from that. And this is what really that these phenomenologists were actually looking into. And they have different fields of phenomenology, but one that is kind of interesting to me is transcendental phenomenology because they're saying, they're talking about 
have an, an intuitive experience of a phenomenon as a starting point and extracting from it essential features of experiences and essence of what we experience. Now, the collider is first about the presence of the who, who is the greatest phenomenon, and our eyes fixed on him, himself, which brings out of his presence the demonstration of power for transformation inside of you and me and provides an upgradable blueprint upgradable aspect that brings this phase transitions which is called the galactic progeny and if you want to listen to this go listen to triple e light it's a meeting that uh, i was asked to come and do with um steve scroggs and john harris and in that meeting we actually experienced this and i have some case study material from another number of people that came up to me after the meeting explaining their experiences because they had a power demonstration of God by light come and show himself to them during the meeting when we moved into presence. And so it's the best example that I can say right now because as this collider debrief unpacks and we get in this mission, as we prepare for these meetings that we're coming into, this is going to be, I want you to understand that this is the understanding that we're going to come into is to prepare ourselves to greet the Holy Spirit so that we can throw off all of our stuff to him, worship him in spirit and in truth, so that we will see demonstrable light based in power, light and sound based in the power dimension. For what reason? For human transformation. And in that human transformation is these 12 phases called galactic progeny that will lead to glorification. Um, I've spent a decade right now uh, contending for presence-based ministry because most of our meetings, it was just enough we could do to just get in the presence of the Lord because of shame and guilt and enemy attacks and personnel issues and finance and all kinds of things so we could believe Him and worship Him in spirit and in truth. But the Lord wants to bring power to His people to give you the things that you can't do for yourself and, and bring you into a through the galactic progeny phases. This galactic progeny phases are, is literally a genetic encoding that comes from the immaterial realm from out from in the heavens that Jesus' blood purchased to basically is a blueprint that is transmuted into your soul by the gospel of Jesus Christ to bring out that... Um, you know, I have it's in phase eleven. It's called the indestructible element that you receive that blueprint. I believe that in this end time, what's going to happen is because we can transmit this actually this blueprint is going to be transmitted in stadiums into people and literally re-blueprint their person for them to come into beloved sonship as a royal family and be prepared for a glorified body. I think that more than likely the religious are going to just completely not like what I'm saying right now. A religious mindset that is built on self-righteousness cannot stand this because I already got everything that I need is the concept. I, I want you to like think and humble yourself before the Lord that maybe we don't have everything figured out. And uh, liberalism and a lot of and communism try to co-opt this, but for the purpose of themselves and greed and, it, and, of course, greed comes from both sides to try to co-opt this thing in Marxist ideology that was based in communism. 
to try to strip mankind of what the Word really wants for us. And, and, and I'm, I'm going to say this, and I believe this all in my heart. The blood of Jesus came to liberate us and set us free and to, to liberate our, our wheels into freedom by being completely dependent on the Holy Spirit. So uh, there you go. There's Collider Mission Debrief number two. And bless you uh, today. Amen.